It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Hello and welcome back to Locked On Celtics podcast. Normally with the Rain and Jays, but today it's just me, Jay King. My co-host John Corrales is celebrating his birthday. I don't know exactly how old he is, but we'll go with like 25 or 26. Sounds about right. It's it's definitely a little younger than he actually is, but I think he'll appreciate that, that we'll give him 25 or 26. So, over the weekend, I went to the beach and the Celtics made a series of moves because that's what happens. I, I go to the beach once a year. I get really sunburned because I'm inside all the time. And the Celtics just change their roster. Every single time, whenever I'm off the grid, they do something. Uh, what, this wasn't the move everyone had hoped for, but it's Gerald Green, guys. <laughs> Gerald Green, former, former potential phenom, Gerald Green who has grown into a 30-year-old who still has hops, who can still shoot, and is an intriguing veteran minimum signing, maybe? I don't know. We'll see. He hasn't been even pretty good for a couple years, but who knows? He's, he can still jump. He can still shoot. He's still Gerald Green, the former potential phenom. The Celtics also agreed to re-sign Tyler Zeller, two years, eight Two years, $16 million. Second year will be non-guaranteed. They reached contracts with Demetrius Jackson, contract agreements rather, with Demetrius Jackson and Ben Bentel, two of their second-round picks. So the, the roster is starting to take shape. Still needs to be cut down a little bit, but you know there's still plenty of time. They, the Celtics will still be looking for big trades. We know that. But maybe they'll just cut somebody or cut a couple of somebodies. We'll see. We'll see what happens with the roster the rest of the way. As soon as I go to the beach again, if I go to the beach again, I'm sure they'll make another move, no matter how substantial it might be. Anyways, before I bore you, we are going to bring on our guest today, Ryan Bernardoni, a.k.a. at Danger Cart, one of the best Celtics followers on Twitter, a salary cap guru. A guy who will educate you. This 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 man, and I, I'm I'm excited to talk to him because I don't know much about him. I've never heard his voice. I don't know what he looks like because his Twitter photo is a cat. So I don't think he's actually a cat. But also, I've never talked to him. He might just meow the whole time. We'll we will see. Danger car, a real mystery, but also an absolute must follow for Celtics people. Uh, this is a guy I, I really respect. One, one of the guys who teaches me about the salary cap because I, I try to keep up with that stuff. I, I, I do what I can, but sometimes that stuff is hard. And it's nice to have people like Ryan, a.k.a. at Danger Cart, to steer you the right way. Uh, so, yeah, without further ado, 
we'll go to the interview because everyone wants to hear from Ryan Bernardoni. Everyone wants to hear from the mystery man on Celtics Twitter. And yeah, here he is. All right, so now we're bringing on Ryan Bernardoni, a.k.a. at Danger Cart. He was a Reddit, the head of Reddit, is, is head of Celtics Reddit, is that what you were? Um, sort of. I was one of one of the yeah one of the, the team leaders on the Celtics Reddit for a couple oh. of years. Okay, so the king of Celtics Reddit. We'll yeah, go with. yeah, that's that's right. That's my official, <laughs> official title. Yes. Now he writes for Celtics Hub as well, and he is salary cap guru. Great guy to follow on Twitter. Always has awesome, awesome opinions on what the Celtics are doing and what they might do. Very future minded, which which I like because. A lot of us, probably including myself, actually definitely including myself, can get too wrapped up in the moment <laughs> and have have wild instant reactions. And Ryan's always there to be like, no, guys, this is what the Celtics are doing. Stop being idiots, all of you. So thanks for coming on the show, first of all. Second of all, first reactions to the Gerald Green signing. <laughs> That's where we're starting. Um, well, yeah, thank we'll you for start with on. Gerald Green. <laughs> There's no better place to start, right? Uh, yeah, no. Uh, well, again, thanks for having me on. Um, uh, it's a great show. Um, uh, yeah, you know, it's fine. It's fine. It, I don't <laughs> know how much it matters, to be honest. Um, after they uh, missed out on Durant, um, you know, I sort of put together, like, uh, what do I think will happen next? What, you know, how do they get to the start of the season, uh, assuming there's not a you know, Blake Griffin, Russell Westbrook, whatever major trade that, that comes down the line. And, um, you know, I thought what they would do was sign a big for sort of medium money. Um, I thought it would be more of a rebounder. Uh, I think I threw out, like, Chris Humphreys. You know, they had been linked to Chris Humphreys for, like, one day or something. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. They get a rebounder, pay him some money, and that's fine. Um, and then I looked at the market and said, okay, there's no – the team obviously needs uh, a wing shooter who's, like, bigger than – um, you know, J.R. Smith was sort of thrown out there as like, oh, they could spend the rest of the money on J.R. Smith. But J.R. Smith's kind of too small because um, they already, you know, Avery Bradley is so small and Marcus Smart at some point needs to actually play point guard if they're going to get the most out of them and figure out what it is. So it was sort of like, okay, they need somebody who's like big enough to pretend to guard other bench wings who aren't particularly threatening. Uh, and Gerald Green is six seven, six eight, and he can make, uh, you know, threes at higher than league average. So, um perfectly fine minimum signing um i'm not a hundred percent certain he'll make the team um i think he will but you know if he has a bad training camp or he's 30 if he just sort of looks washed up for a couple of weeks and some you know suddenly james young realizes that he's going to be out of the nba in a couple of months um you know maybe he doesn't even make the team but i suspect he will be a backup that's fine you know cheap yeah, we, we start with the, the big questions here. <laughs> the 15th man type questions. Yeah, uh, one thing that interested me about the Gerald Green signing, and obviously they wanted more shooting, they wanted more size, but to me it kind of signals, A, you're still hoping for a trade and you're going to consolidate some of the pieces. And that that's a possibility, although Russell Westbrook, I think, is probably off the table now because they can't renegotiate and extend the contract. Or at least there's like it's less likely to happen, um, but it also indicates to me that James Young and R.J. Hunter are not high on the Celtics list right now because 
if if you thought either of those guys could could step in and give minutes, you you may not want to go out and and grab someone like Gerald Green, even if it's on the veterans minimum, because he might deserve minutes over those guys, and you know you 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 want to season those guys if you think they have a future. Yeah, I agree with that, and that's why I said like I'm not 100 percent certain he'll make the team. Um, if they, you know, there's no real pain in waving a guy who makes, you know, from the Celtics standpoint, like less than a million dollars. If they if they go into training camp and one of the young players blows them away and they say, oh, this is actually who's gonna, it would probably have to be young because RJ is um, like some of the other players who they, you know, maybe were considering a little small for that that role uh, backing up Jay. And we saw last year, especially you know in the playoffs. You lose Jay Crowder, and there was just nobody else who could play small forward. There, there was the Jonas Jerebko small forward experience, which was terrible. Um, so they need somebody, right, who can play that position. And um, if they don't believe that James Young can do it, or they want to bring somebody in to, you know, just in case, or um, you know, they're they're just looking at it and saying if if James shows us something at some point uh, in the next couple of months we'll keep them and if not then then that's the end like that's fine that's that's what minimum contract 30 year old veterans are who played two years outside the nba are for like they're like i said when when i was looking at players they could sign it it was i was like oh they could go and take a flyer on a on a hamilton you know the guy who's been in denver and houston and stuff like the same exact player just some guy he's six seven he can shoot the ball okay (laughs) and and whatever (laughs) but yeah i mean there's there's 450 guys at most in the NBA at one given time. Like everybody from 300 back is just kind of some dude. Like um, Gerald Green, they're way better than anybody who I'll ever play with. Although I used to play with JJ Barea, so maybe not. But um, <laughs> you know, it's Northeastern represent. Uh, so it, it's fine. Like like you said, it's, he's probably not the 15th guy. He's probably like the gonna be like the 12th guy or something like that because there'll be a couple people in Maine. But um, I don't know. Made sense. Did you ever destroy JJ Barea, even if it was just for one play? No, no. I, I you know what? I think I played. <laughs> I think I played with him only one time. Actually, the player who I used to play with more is I grew up next door to Scott Burrell, but I'm like way younger than he is. Wow, Scotty Burrell. Okay, I, I'm young. He, I'm enough younger than him where it was like I played with him a couple of times, but it was like I was like the oh we need a tenth person, let's get that twelve year old, that kind of thing. <laughs> So I don't think I ever crossed him up either, but uh, no, no, I, I don't think I ever, I don't think I ever dunked on Berea or anything like that. <laughs> that that's not even like a, a jumper in his eye or anything like that. I, you know, most of the guys who were on the actual team weren't allowed to play in the gym, and you, they, sometimes they would like play a game here or there. You'd see him playing at one of the outdoor gyms or, some, or one of the outdoor courts or something like that. But I think maybe I was on the court with him once. I wasn't I wasn't good enough to ever play in like the really good games. I was, okay. you know. So, yeah, I don't have your I, skills. I've heard about your your no, prodigious basketball no talents. So, I, I was one of the worst college basketball players to to in the entire country, especially my freshman year of college and and then I proceeded to be one of the like top top 1% of the worst players the, <laughs> the following 2 years before finally finally giving up basketball my senior year i wasn't ready for the scotty burrell reference though uh, but, but anyway we'll, we'll get we'll get off track some, i'm off track we'll get to some of the celtics other moves here tyler zeller was one of the intriguing moves to me because he's making more than jared Sollinger next year and yeah. what do you think is the positive there to keeping zeller 
rather than Sullinger for the future? Uh, so my guess at what happened here, um, and this is completely speculative, I have no idea, um, is that they offered both players their qualifying offer because they said, we are gonna we want one of you, or we think we have space for one of you. Uh, if you both get big offers, that's fine. Have a, have a nice life. But they said, we think we have space for one of you, so we're going to offer you both qualifying offers. And then they probably offered them both kind of similar things. Um, and they said, uh, it has to be a two-year deal, and the second year has to be non-guaranteed. And the reason for that is that if you sign somebody to a one-year deal that ends in bird rights or early bird rights, it gives the player a no-trade clause. So with the state the team is in, do they really want to be in a position where in February they're negotiating a trade for DeMarcus Cousins and Jared Sullinger is like, I don't want to go to Sacramento. And that could actually like scupper a trade. You don't want that. So they probably went to them and said, um, we'll offer you these similar offers. We'll pay you a little bit more in the first year. You give us a second non-guaranteed year. Um, maybe they wanted Zeller more and they both said yes. And they just said, oh, well, we want Tyler more, so we'll keep you. Or maybe Sullinger said, I don't want to be in the Jonas Jerebko situation, which we saw this offseason where you know, he signed this deal that people are like, oh, $5 million for Jerebko, that's kind of a lot of money. And then one year later, they're like, oh, Jonas Jerebko is definitely worth $5 million and would get paid a lot more if he was a free agent. And so maybe Solinger looked at it and said, you know, Timothy Mozgov got all that money on the first day of free agency because he was unrestricted. He's not better than Jared Solinger. Um, and so maybe Sully was just like, I will, I'll only sign a one-year deal unless you give me more money or something like that. And so they just said, no, that's fine. Tyler Zeller will take it. This probably you know if if what i'm saying is right that zeller probably agreed to it all the way back on the day when they when they renounced sollinger because then they didn't want to be at risk of being stuck with both of them so i think that's similar you know the most likely situation is how that played out is that they were just sort of like yeah we'll take one of you and zeller was either the first choice or said yes first so do, do you agree the the roster is kind of set up for a team that that looks like it wants to make further trades like just like they have depth and quality depth at every single position. Like, like Jackson, what is he right now? Like fourth point guard, Demetrius Jackson. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, James Young. What, I mean, he, he's like this what fifth or sixth small forward. Uh, uh, he's not going to be on the team. Um. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah. like like they have seventeen, eighteen guys that yeah. would be on a. At least like a few rosters around the league, including Bentel and everybody else. Yeah, I'm. Well, I'm not sure if Bentel is an NBA player from what I've seen so far, but maybe. Um, you know, like at 450 <laughs> guys, you never know. The guys at the very back of the league are kind of fungible. So uh, he did score a lot in a decent college league. So maybe he uh, does have a spot. But uh, yeah, they have what 17. John Holland. Uh, they kind of gave him a contract last year to, you know, they always do that at the end of the year to give some money to somebody who played in Maine and did a good job and all that. He's probably not going to be on an NBA roster at the start of the beginning of the year, but that's still 17 guys. Uh, yeah, the team's always in a position where they're looking to make a trade, right? They've been in that position for a couple of years. Uh, I'm sure that they would love to to do that. Uh, I think as much as anything, they're in a position to do what they did last year, which is basically go through the season and say, we will make a trade if you are willing to make a trade on our terms. So we're not going to give you Jay Crowder. We're just not going to do it because if we trade you Jay Crowder and we are not getting back a small forward, then we cannot beat the Cavaliers. And so we cannot beat the Cavaliers without making this trade. Um, and we'll then just try to sign somebody in free agency. So I think that's basically where they are is that they're looking at the market and they are putting out their offers and saying, we, we're not going to go any more than this. And if you don't, 
if you don't agree to that, that's fine. We'll just wait and we'll wait until the, the trade deadline. And if something comes up, then we'll make a trade then. And if not, we'll go back into free agency with a team that hopefully made the conference finals and has max cap space. And they'll try to sign another big free agent. Um, and maybe but, the yeah. number one pick. Yeah, exactly. Or, or maybe they won't sign a big free agent. Maybe they'll make a trade then for somebody with the number one pick. Uh, so, I mean, that's what it is. It's The team has always valued flexibility above, any, or not always, since the end of the Big Three era, has always valued flexibility above everything else, and that's just for all those options. You can. That's why they're talked about in every single trade but never actually make one, right? Like, there's no team that's been desperate enough to have something where their incentives are different from the Celtics, and so the Celtics generally somewhat lowball trade offers don't get accepted because there's nobody out there who's like, oh, we have to do it. Um yeah, but, yeah, I mean when you when you think when you look at what they've what they've the trades they've actually made, it's like Dallas was desperate to try to make one last one last run at being a contender, and so they were like, "All right, our our stats tell us Rajon Rondo will not help us, <laughs> but but let's go ahead and try to get Rajon Rondo, and we'll give up this guy Crowder, who who's just like like wasting away at the end of our bench, and then the other one was Isaiah Thomas, who was a third point guard." randomly in a bizarre situation in Phoenix where they just loaded up on quality point guards and they decided to trade him, even though they'd already decided to trade Dragic, which it was pretty weird. But anyway. Yeah, they gave yeah. up nothing. I, yeah. I wrote a, I wrote sort of a half-joking post at some point in the past that was like, that, where the premise was, the longest win streak in the NBA is Danny Ainge trades. Where it's just, it's not that they make amazing, wonderful trades all the time. They never lose trades. And I had to amend it a little bit because I think maybe they have now lost the Austin Rivers trade because he had one good playoff run and they got nothing, nothing for him. So maybe <laughs> okay. they maybe they lost that trade, like the smallest possible trade. I don't know. But they but just, he would have taken minutes from someone sure, better but, probably. Uh, yeah, you, but you, you know what I mean. Like, at least. If, yeah. if there's any trade since Courtney Lee for Jared Bayless, which, which had its own reasons for happening – they simply don't lose trades. They either make trades that are fair and turn out to be even, or they win. Um, and so I, when people are like making these, these hypothetical trades, we're like, oh, we're going to trade for one season of Blake Griffin, and we're going to give up Jay Crowder and a Nets pick and Avery Bradley. And, all, and you're just like, that team would end up worse on the other end. You would still not be a title contender, which is all that they really care about. Like, we know that they don't care about making the conference finals and losing because 10 years ago, Danny Ainge blew up a team that could make the conference finals and then lose. So why would they make that trade now? Um, so I don't know. I just, I look at it and, and that's why the Russell Westbrook thing was interesting to me because it looked like he had told, the, told Oklahoma city that he wouldn't do an extension, but if he was selling Oklahoma city that he won't extend there, but potentially would extend somewhere else, then you have this sort of asymmetric thing where he's a two or three year player for the team acquiring him, but a one year player for the team trading him. And so then you come to this sort of position where there's fair value for both teams in the sort of middle ground between those. Most of the time we throw out these names and we're like, they're going to, they're going to trade for Blake Griffin. You're just like, they're not going to give up the farm for him. And the Clippers aren't going to give him away for not, like, they have no reason to give him away cheap. So trades don't happen. And, but so the roster is set up to keep making those offers. They can keep doing it. They can make that. They have basically a year and a half until the trade deadline in 2018 to, to, to do something like that that wouldn't gut the team and that would give them a quick turnaround. But um, 
yeah, if it doesn't happen in a trade, they'll try to sign somebody next offseason. And the, the roster is set up to do all of those things pretty easily. Yeah, and, and you hear sometimes, like, like Danny Ainge has irritated other GMs. <laughs> and, and that's that's kind of what he's doing. And, it, and not intentionally. Like, he, he's just throwing offers out there. And he wants a real win for the Celtics. And I, I do think there there will be a point where he decides to push his chips in the middle of the table. And I, I think if they had signed Durant, they would have yes. reached that point. Like, like one of the things that I thought was most overlooked about the talks with Durant is that Wick Grosbeck came out and said, we sat down and we told him, these are the trades we could make if you sign with us. And that to me was like, okay, we have all these players that could potentially be available and we have enough assets to get them, but we only want to go and get them if you come and sign with us. And so I I do think that point is out there. I just don't know when they're going to reach it. And and absolutely. I mean, I, before, you know, in the, the, the halcyon days between Al Horford signing and Kevin Durant not having announced yet, you know, I was sort of tweeting things out that was like, look, you could do, you would not make these trades today, but you could go and turn around and trade Jalen Brown for Nerlens Noel and Robert Covington, and you could trade a Nets pick for Rodney Hood, and you could run out a team that's like incredible and 10 deep, and that would be every, every bit a favorite to win the title in the next couple of years by giving up these future pieces because you have a team that is already good enough to potentially win the title. But they're not going to make those trades to become a team that, again, that is going to go and lose to LeBron or lose to the Warriors. they It has to be this sort of paired move, or it has to be free agency where you give up nothing. You go into next summer and you sign somebody next summer for nothing other than money, and you don't give up Jay Crowder or any of the picks or Isaiah Thomas or Marcus Smart, and that's a better team than if you traded those players for that same same you know incoming piece. So... Um, I don't know. I, I've always thought that they just sort of sit there and, and say, "My, you, you know, you you mentioned the, the thing about the team annoying people. My favorite one is is the the tweets about talks intensifying because I imagine <laughs> the teams just starting to yell the same offers at each other, like they're talking about the same pieces, but now they're intense because I don't know what else they would be doing. Like at some, you know, are they like, no, we were not going to trade Jay Crowder, and somebody calls back and they're like, now. And they, how has anything changed? Um, now we are so. intensely asking <laughs> yeah. Jake Crowder. Exactly. Like, and that's what I always think. Your it's, like, and everything. it's like, did, did they like, oh, okay, Austin Ainge is off the phone. Now Danny's on it. Now it's intense. Like, Gar, I don't, Gar Foreman's like in yeah. a defensive stance. Exactly. Like, Jake Crowder slapping the floor. Nothing has changed, but now the talks are intensifying. That's, I, I, that's always my favorite, my favorite random meaningless tweet that comes out every single, you know, hot period for, for trade talk. <laughs> one thing I do want to ask you about uh, th- so there's kind of like not, not an expiration date but there is this point in two years where Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart will all be up for new contracts yep. how how much pressure do you think that puts on the Celtics and then obviously Olenek will be up for a new, he'll be a restricted free agent a year from now and presumably up for a pretty substantial raise especially if he has a good season how much do you think how much pressure do you think that puts on the celtics to start to make moves or make moves by the summer of 2017 uh so i've been saying that that d-day is the trade deadline in the 2017-18 season so february of 2018 is is their sort of 
decision day for how things go. But it's not a decision where they have to push their chips on the table. So it is not a situation, like you said, with, with Dallas, where they're like, okay, we have to do something. Because if we don't, we're trapped. So what are we going to do? We're going to take the highest variance trade we can, and that's Rajon Rondo. And we're going to just do that. <laughs> what comes? I will defend that trade from the Dallas perspective, because what else were they going to do? Like, giving up Jay Crowder looks terrible in retrospect. He wasn't playing. Um, he, you know... He was going to be a free agent. Like, I don't, who knows if he would have stayed there? Like, they had to do something. What they did didn't work out. You can make all the arguments for that. It was doomed to start. But, like, they had to do the highest variance thing they could because now they're paying Dirk $25 million a year. And he isn't a $25 million a year player because they have nothing else that they can do with the money. So, anyway. Um, but when you get to that trade deadline, you're at a position where you can no longer expect to be able to plug a player into a team that's purpose built for a superstar because if you keep all of those really high level role players like Avery Bradley and like you know Isaiah Thomas you can whether or not you want to call him a star an all-star or a really high you know he's sort of in the in better than role player obviously but he's not gonna be cheap anymore Jay Crowder will still be cheap thankfully Marcus Smart hopefully has ascended to a level where he's getting paid a lot so if you were to go out on the market in 2018 and try to sign somebody, you would be in a position more like where traditionally teams have been, where you have to let other pieces go in order to bring in some other max player. So you won't have this amazing situation, which we've had, where you could go and get a Kevin Durant and put him into a lineup and go, look, you fit here into this roster that is perfectly built for a small forward superstar. Uh, that situation will go away at that, at that point. So if you haven't made a trade you know, basically, if they haven't made a trade in the next couple of weeks, you know, um, seems unlikely at the trade deadline, maybe sign somebody next offseason. That would be great. Or at the following trade deadline, then you're at a position where the team has to say, you know, are we going to commit and overpay for somebody in the following offseason? Are we going to cut some of these, you know, cut loose some of these players who we really, really like have been with the team a long time, but we need to move their salary in order to sign somebody else? Or you go the other way and you say, you know what? We have Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown. We just drafted whoever, you know, Lonzo Ball. And, and we have another number one pick. And all these picks, we have all these picks. And you can be at the position where they were um, when they broke up the Pierce and Antoine team and considered trading Paul Pierce at that point for, you know, the pick that would have become Chris Paul. You could even trade Al Horford at that point, you know, halfway through, you know, two years into what will be a five-year contract. You could, you could basically break the team down and say, you know what? We had this sort of flexible transitional team that got us to an Eastern Conference Finals and we had all these options. But at the end, we're looking at it and we're saying, you know what, we have an amazing young team bubbling beneath the surface. And you could go that direction at that point. And that would also sort of be fine if those players all, all pan out. So there's a at that trade deadline in 2018, they sort of have to make a decision in a direction, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that they push all their chips in and go for like a big fish. It could be that they go the other way and say, we have the big fish. It's just that they're 21 years old and Al Horford and Avery Bradley don't make sense on this team anymore. Like those are all viable paths that, that any sort of reasonable team could follow. Yeah. I, I kind of want them to make a big move before then, just so I can see what the luxury tax bill would be. <laughs> if they just keep all those guys and say, all right, we've got this loaded team and we're going to pay for it. And, oh, there's like this $175 million team there, which, yeah. which could happen. Like it could be, it could get pretty close to that. If, if everything goes probably the way they want, which is that Marcus yeah. markets awesome. And 
Avery Bradley and Isaiah Thomas continue to progress and they get some new superstar and then they want to keep it all together. It could be like this huge, massive bill and I kind of want to see it. Yeah, so do I because it's not my money and I don't care. <laughs> exactly. As long, hey, that would be great to follow. As long as it's Wick and Pags' money, we're, yeah, we're good I'm, with it. It, it would I'm be good. a fun team. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But bef- before we let you go, I, I kind of want to talk with you about your path. and Because I-, I-, I said this before. You're like this, this mysterious character because <laughs> you, g- you go by the handle Danger Cart. <laughs> I know your name is Ryan Bernardone, Bernardoni because... I've seen it on Celtics Hub when you write for Celtics Hub, but I, I think that's the only way I know that. Uh, it's on my Twitter. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, it's on your Twitter. But I, I, I guess just just tell me a little about your, your climb and how you became relevant to this, like, like really relevant, like one of the absolute must-follows along with all the, all the people like, like Steve Bullpett, Chris Forsberg, Adam Himmelsbach, Gary Washburn, all these guys who are with the team every day. And then there are guys like you. And I, I need to hear more about your story, man. Tell it to me. All right. Well, so I am not like any of those people because I have no actual information. I'm just, I'm really just a fan. Uh, and so what happened is um, a few years ago, uh, I moved from the U.S. So I moved uh, to Hong Kong for a work reason. And there's not a whole lot of like, u.s sports fans there for me to talk about or to talk with so i was a little bit honestly i was feeling a little bit isolated and i was like oh okay well i want to find people to talk to um about the things that i find interesting and sports i'm a sports nut for more than just the celtics uh but i do love basketball and so i joined the celtics reddit community which is a very weird but entertaining and, and informative place with a lot of great people who are really smart um, and I joined at that point when it was very small. It was much, much, much smaller community than it is right now because this was a number of years ago. And uh, honestly, what happened is they were trying to figure out something about the salary cap. And I can't remember what it was. I think it might have had something to do with like how the hard cap works. So this was <laughs> at the very at the tail end of the big three era. And they were building a spreadsheet. And I said, oh, I make spreadsheets for that's my work. And I am trying to meet some new people. And so I will offer to help them. Uh, and so I, I love this story already, but this way. is what it was. I, and so I, but it's, I was a fan and I'm still a fan and I was looking for people to talk about sports with. Um, and so we built this little tool for figuring out the salary cap, which is now not so little of a tool, uh, that I host on, you know, host on a website, but they, at the end of that sort of process, the other couple of moderators who were there said, Hey, do you want to join our moderating team? We're trying to grow the community and we'd like to have some extra people. Um, and I said, sure, I live on the other side of the world. So it's good because I can cover the night shift when people are saying stupid stuff at night and delete their stuff. Um, and so I did that for a couple of years and um, made some friends in that community and learned more about the salary cap and became sort of a resident amateur cap expert-ish person, of which there are quite a few of now. There weren't that many at, at that point. There's a lot of people on Twitter and things like that who are very good on this stuff. Um, but we sort of built up the tool and built up the community and then... Um, I joined Twitter. I had been on Twitter for a long time and like never tweeted. I just used it to follow stuff. Um, but then I started to get a little more active maybe a couple years ago because I went through another cycle having moved home from Hong Kong and then moved to London. So I was again outside of um, sort of U.S. sports center um, and was using Twitter for a lot of that stuff. And then, uh, I don't know, a year ago, 
um, I decided that I would sort of step down from being a mod there because I was writing a lot of stuff and it was, it was sort of taking up a lot of the oxygen in that area and figured let some other younger people have fun over there. Um, and Brian Robb from Celtics Hub happened to reach out to me right around when I was leaving then and asked me if I wanted to start writing for them. And I said, sure, why not? Uh, so I write um, a couple of posts a month there. Um, I have become relatively prolific on Twitter. I don't know why. I guess because I don't have anything better to do. Uh, I now have over a thousand followers, of which maybe half are real. And um, you should have a lot more. You should have a lot more. Well, at DangerCart, D-A-N-G-E-R-C-A-R-T. Everybody should follow him. But continue the story. Continue the story. That's pretty much, I mean, that's sort of the end of the story. So I, I tweet mostly about, I when I'm actually tweeting, like, like informative things, it's usually about the salary cap, about sort of cap machinations and planning and things like that. Uh, but I am, that stuff is all sort of, like, hobby things. But I'm also, like, a really big fan of the team. Um, so during games, I go a little bit off the off the plot and like so you said i stay calm about things and like i'm forward looking not at all during the game like during the game i'm generally freaking out about why we missed the last three shots in a row like because which is is very very common stance for this team oh yes (laughs) that's a good point why do we miss three shots in a row because we missed three out of every four because marcus smart (laughs) took them all that's why and it wasn't within the last five minutes when he suddenly becomes competent um yeah, but I mean, that's really it. So I was a fan. I was looking for other people to talk to. Reddit's a good place to do that. Twitter's a good place to do that. Um, some people, you know, over the course of time, we learned a lot of stuff about random things like the salary cap. Um, I was asked if I wanted to write on a blog, started doing that. And I guess now there are people who pay attention to me. I don't know. Uh, but that's really it. Yeah, and there should be a lot more people that pay attention to you. We appreciate it, Ryan. I appreciate it at least, and I'm sure everybody else does because you put in so many hours, so much time, and you give honestly you give information that very few people do, and it's it's a big service to the people who follow the Celtics, and you're great. So yeah, I I was really excited to have you on because I didn't know much about you besides what I've learned over the past couple of years following you on Twitter. And so it was cool to talk to you. I, I Hopefully next time you'll come to a game, you'll find me interesting enough to come say hello when you say hello to other people in the media. Yeah, we'll uh, see. <laughs> probably not. But that's My okay. one game I'll, a year. I live in I'll Connecticut. Come. I got, I only get up for like two games. I, last year I went to two games for the first time in like a decade. So <laughs> Maybe I'll come drive to Connecticut to come have lunch with you or something. There you go. Anytime. That could be it because my parents live right on the Connecticut border. So that that could be a thing. All right. Yeah, we'll do that. But (laughs) we won't won't bore people with talking about it. Thank you for coming on. Uh, Really appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. All right. So that was the interview with Ryan Bernardoni, a.k.a. Danger Cart. Just just go follow him on Twitter. Just do it. Just do it. You, if you're not already, you're screwing up. You're, you're really screwing up. Also, you're screwing up if you don't follow the Locked On Celtics podcast on iTunes or Audioboom or however else you listen to podcasts normally. Follow us. Subscribe to us. Give us a five-star rating. We're going to be giving you podcasts Monday through Friday every single day. Giving you that Celtics talk you need.
So just do it. Give us that rating. We love the five-star ratings. That's, that's how we live. The five-star ratings give us the fuel to survive. We need you. Give us that rating. And, and honestly, go follow Danger Cart. That's it, I guess. This, this, that's, that's it. That's the episode. Uh, appreciate you listening in. We'll, we'll be back tomorrow to, to see you or at least talk to you. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.